Did you know that Billy Kidman actually had a DMX theme? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was today years old. Was it a DMX theme? I thought it was a DMX ripoff. Well, if it was a ripoff, it was a damn good one. Because the guy at the beginning was like, uh, yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, like the DMX. Yes. The, that's the, the ripoff. Oh, yeah. wow. So that wasn't actually DMX. No. No, it was some dude. Some dude? Some dude. Are you able I to hear remember. this? I cannot currently hear it. But I know what, I know what Kidman theme you're talking about. You can run, it's called. Yeah. By, uh, <laughs> like I said, if by, that's... Here, hold on. I might be able to... You know what's funny? So two fun facts. It's by an artist named Lordakim, who also did the Crime Time theme song. Okay. Uh... Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Bringing it, bringing it. Bringing the hood to you. <laughs> bringing it, bringing it. Bringing it. What you gonna do? That took eight bringing it, bringing it. And in a hand, huh? something not Hollywood. This is Hollywood. Bringing it, bringing it. Those are the lyrics. No, I'm I, telling you. I, I believe you. It just sounds like something Vince McMahon would write. Primetime theme lyrics. Oh, hey yo, no more Hollywood. This is Hollywood. And it's crime time. Be scared. You probably should. We come from the streets. I was raised in the gutter. I run up on your mother for that bread and butter. <laughs> How dare you run up on my mother for bread and butter, sir? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have fun here, don't we? Thug life. You ready to roll here? I thought we already were. You have to include this now. <laughs> Cold open. <laughs> yeah well welcome everybody to the second turnbuckle podcast i am crash yeah. to uh screen left my right because this is my right shoulder and i'm gonna bring it up every podcast it is toogie 24 how are you i i'm i'm great i didn't die of heat stroke today on the hottest day of the year so far it's uh it's good you know it's good to not die from heat stroke so yeah. there's there's better ways yeah you know, uh, <laughs> you know what? I we've got the rundown. We talked about what we want to talk about, but I just streamed uh, the mm -hmm. demo to WrestleQuest. I know we're going to be right. talking about Fight Forever, but holy crap, Toogie, have you played WrestleQuest yet? The demo? Nope. It is. It's fun. I'm excited for what is coming with the um, uh, with the full game because. The, the demo, demos, the, the role of a demo is to give you a taste and then hopefully you, I want to play more of this game. A uh, little 8-bit, 16-bit kind of animation. You got uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, not sponsored by the way. Uh, British no. Bulldog, um, Coco Beware, Andre the Giant, Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, all their likenesses, DDP. Um, They're going to get sued. It is stupid fun. Well, who's going to get sued? The, the developers? No, they... They... Why don't you think Are they stealthy they, enough about it? No, they... They're the actual likenesses and voices. Like, Jeff Jarrett's in it. Do you really think Jeff Jarrett would be... He was in, like, a commercial where he hit, like, one of the developers with a with a guitar. You think... Jeff Jarrett will do anything for money. <laughs> true. This is true. And we love him for it. Yes. Um, so, like... So, what, is, what does the Andre the Giant character sound like? 
I d- he's not in the demo. Ah, well, yeah. see, then I, I don't know if I don't know if they've sold me then. He, he just runs around going, anybody want a peanut? Hmm. Yeah, that was yeah. terrible. It was, it was okay. It was okay. Oh, thanks, Tugs. Um, but yeah, no. I as much as I'm excited for game A, uh, this game B, um, I think it's good that there's uh, a little bit of separation between the two because this one doesn't come out until August. Mm-hmm. Whereas Fight Forever comes out at the end of the month, end of June. <sighs> yes, it does. So did I, I did I read a tweet that you're actually going to be on a plane heading to Finlandia? When Fight Forever drops? No, I okay. wish I was because I the game is going to be out on. I don't have a, a stream deck, but the game's going to be out on Switch. And all I could think of watching a bunch of footage because there was a bunch of stuff released today uh, because they did a, a creator capture event where some stuff had you know come from already, but they allowed these people to finally reveal a lot of stuff on Twitter and on their YouTube channels and stuff like that. <sighs> An eight hour flight to Finland would go by so fast. If I could play <laughs> fight forever on my switch the whole way there. Oh my God. When are you, like I, when are you ugh. leaving? Uh, June 13th is my flight. I'll be gone a day before just to be closer to the airport. And right. And coming back. Basically, I'm going to be gone for about a week and a half, two weeks. And it comes out on the 29th, right? The 29th. So I will be home just okay, in good. time to play gotcha. the crap out of it. So but, you, yeah. <laughs> you are wishing that it was available for the flight, but you're not actually going to miss any of it by being right. back. Gotcha. Yeah. Now I understand. Mm. Um, I'll be honest. I, and I'm not, I'm not soaking in like the, the, uh who was the uh oh like the the character models and all that stuff i'm not soaking in like the negativity that you know you and i have talked about like uh everybody just act just kind of crapping on it and stuff watching the chris statlander um skateboarding (laughs) video today (laughs) yeah it i i appreciate i completely understand you love it it's the uh-huh. stupidity that wrestling needs to a certain yep. extent. There's something about it that it's just not quite there for me seeing um, where everything is. Uh, the Eddie Kingston character model, uh, the screenshot that he shared versus where it's actually at now. Um, yeah. Th- it's night and day. Mm-hmm. But still, like it, it doesn't quite seem stupid smooth enough i i need to it's the same as what i've said about uh the wwe games i need the controller in my hand to actually see how it feels because right now the look of it looks like it's still not quite there for me whereas i'm sure that uh, like i said i think it's that's actually one of the things that you're excited about oh yeah 100 100 yeah i um it, it is essentially yeah it is a modern take, essentially, on the No Mercy style of games. I don't need the graphics to be photorealistic. And it's not as if they're bad. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there are people who are just like, oh, what do you mean this isn't photorealistic? This game's graphics can't compete with Elden Ring? I'm offended. <laughs> I'm disappointed. It's like, what the hell were you expecting? <laughs> like, look, I don't want 
and nor at any point did they advertise AEW Fight Forever is going to be WWE 2K23, but AEW skinned. Right. We're going to have the same modes. The gameplay is going to be the same. The graphics are going to all be the same. Like, no, that was never what they touted it to be. Well, no, no uh, and, mercy came up more than anything else when the game was released. Yeah. Like that was that was the bar that they're trying to hit. So, to they've it looks like they've hit it. So I don't know where my expectation um, is is at, considering I know that that was kind of the the bar. So, yeah, I mean, like for me, there's always been that conversation, right? Because obviously, you and I play a lot of EA and NHL, mm-hmm. and it's always that conversation of. Hey, the game does look pretty good. It does. It looks pretty good. You know, I've gone back recently, played like NHL 16. You compare NHL 16 to NHL uh, 23. Oh, you're going to notice the differences uh, just in the the textures, the lighting. It's a much better looking game. Is NHL 23 more fun to me than NHL 04? No. And maybe that's because I grew up with NHL 04. But I am much more on board with give me good, fun, engaging gameplay and graphics second than that concept of your grandparent walks into the room, sees it on TV and thinks it's a real game. Right. But I couldn't care less. Like, think about what was the most critically acclaimed WWE based video game, probably until this most recent game. My oh. opinion, it was All Stars, right? The most Which, cartoony, over-the-top yes. game that they have probably ever done, or at least since like WrestleMania, the arcade game when you have freaking Doink the Clown hammering people in the head like it's a, you know, it was a Mortal Kombat clone. Argu- um, argument for Battlegrounds, but continue. I heard more controversy about Battlegrounds. No, but, but I, I mean, did like, like the cartoonish, like it wasn't realistic. It was it was okay. almost like the the next iteration of All Stars. So it, I'm fair. not talking about the gameplay. I'm talking about like the cartoonish level of of what everything is. So. Yeah, but yeah, no. I mean, again, for me, wrestling video game wise, it is like just from the shots and everything. Like, look, I don't care if it's if, oh, it might be rough around the edges. Fuck, what wrestling game isn't? Mm-hmm. Like, really, what video game nowadays isn't? There aren't too many games that aren't rough around the edges. As long as it's not... Uh, I don't know if you've seen clips of the new Gollum video oh game. Gosh. As long as it's not that far in the rough around the edges category, I'm doing just fine. So, when uh, yeah, I, am, I haven't been this hyped up for a wrestling game. When are we getting a God. Gollum uh, stream, Toogie? I want to. I don't see, know if people. <laughs> I want to see you because this, this, this little tangent. Because you know it's a wrestling podcast, but now we're going to talk about Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, well, I want to see you try expect. that game and die the first time he jumps to a different level. <laughs> like some of the deaths in that game are are amazing. I uh, I have seen a good amount of footage of it. I don't know if it's something that I care to experience, but Fair. at the same time, I understand that it could be viewed as a tremendous experience, especially too. like I have the tendency of uh, breaking a lot of video games often without having to try. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a great one where, yep, you don't have to try at all. You no. just pop the disc <laughs> in or load the game up and yeah. don't worry. You're taken care of. You just have to hit power. Um, yeah. Well, you know, one of the one of the uh, main figures when uh, Fight Forever was introduced, uh, somebody who was heavily um, featured on the advertising and on the art uh, mm-hmm. was one that we call Phil. And uh, it, it was announced on Wednesday, Phil is coming back to nobody's surprise. Uh, it was probably, again, AEW, uh, loose lips have sunk ships again. Um, especially, well, I mean, it, it's one of the worst kept secrets. If, if you read the dirt sheets, if, you, if you're on, which I know that you love not doing at this point, um, but on Twitter and all that stuff, like, we're starting to see talk of the the reconciliations with the Jerichos and the elite and, and the meetings and everything that they've had. Um, Collision was announced for Chicago, which you brought up on, on previous episodes here. Like Collision is going to be CM Punk's show. So yeah. is, first off, I'll ask you, um, is it the right time? And by announcing his return, even though it was the worst kept secret, does it diminish what they could do with him at the show? It was the right time because this entire year is set up really well to get that momentum back that they lost. Um, go figure. You you know you have the momentum with Punk. You lose the momentum once he goes. And now the thought is you get that momentum back heading into, well, here's Forbidden Door. Then you have All In in London. And it's just that idea of, like, yeah, now is the right time to bring him back. And depending on what they do with him, who's to say? In terms of should it have been kept a surprise, I mean, no. Because, number one, you announced, confirmed that he's going to be there. It's going to sell more tickets. Instead of doing what they did last time, when he made his debut, it was nothing but... Hint, hint, wink, right. wink. He's going to be there. Don't worry about it. Uh, we're going to do everything to let you know that he's on his way, except actually say that it's him. Uh, this time out, so much talk about it. You essentially have nothing but that, again, where it's just, hey, they've done everything except basically say that he was going to be there. Um, I think I think it's good because now it continues to build up what they've done on TV, which is couple weeks ago it's oh here, here's Miro and, and Thunder Rosa they're on TV and then oh here's the uh you know the promo shoots for collision and it's Samoa Joe and here's Scorpio Sky who you haven't seen since he got hurt last year like mm-hmm. they are setting the stage for being like hey this is almost not quite a reset but close and so for that reason I think it's a good way to try to keep building on what they're already doing I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the leave something to the imagination when it comes to these kind of things. So, Mm -hmm. like I said, like, worst kept secret. But what if he didn't show up? You know, it's Chicago. They're going to be crazy. He is going to show up. But the there was just something about, like, letting the air out of the balloon or or whatever you want to call it when Tony Khan goes on TV and says, CM Punk's going to return at Collision, the debut. Like, 
again disagree but that's okay no 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 i i agree with you with the ticket sales i agree with you to build the anticipation for your first show the fact that they announced that it was chicago if it was anywhere else um you might have to like if it was in anchorage alaska or uh, great falls montana you know or like if it was calgary like they i don't know there's just I, there was just something about it that I was just like, oh, man, you didn't really have to do that. We, we kind of knew it, and I was kind of more excited about how they were going to do it rather than the, hey, guys, he is coming back. Tune into the show. Like, there was just something about it that just, I, I like the surprise. I like the, um, the not knowing how it's going to happen or if it's going to happen as opposed to the flat-out throat in our face that it will happen kind of thing. I, I mean, I, okay. I think that's fair. I think you could subscribe to either kind of theory, right? Like whether it's your side or like I was a big fan of what they did on Wednesday where it's just like CM Punk and then they just show the crowd and they show the mixture of people who are fair. very happy about it and very not happy about it because that is the exact reaction that you would he have deserves. seen on social media <laughs> that night. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very polarizing uh, move, polarizing decision, to say the least. A bit of a segue into something else that we were talking about, um, the impactful returns. I Mm. remember um, when Triple H returned at Madison Square Garden after tearing his quad, uh, you know, the family trait. Um, (laughs) they, They kept promoing it, like, Triple H is returning tonight. Uh, mm. They did the week before. Triple H is going to be at, at Madison Square Garden. And then through the two hours, back when Raw was only two hours, they kept promoing it and promoing it. And he got the last segment of the show. So it was a great tease for us to stick around on the show. Mm. And he did nothing. He came out. He was intense. It was an amazing moment. He was wearing jeans on top of a jean jacket on top of a leather jacket on top of a jean jacket. Right, yeah, the, the Canadian tuxedo uh, on steroids. By mm. the way, he was jacked that night, too. That's probably the biggest Triple H has not, you know, like muscle-wise, not the stomach, which he'd carry for almost a decade after that. Um, mm. What What sticks out to you as far as... Uh, impactful returns and and throw in like we've been talking about like how it was done so in my case didn't like that they announced CM Punk ahead of time what's one that really stuck out for you especially how it um, how it came to be that's a lot of history to think through my man it's a whole lot of history to think through oh that's a very good question so I'll start. I'll start with Go another ahead, one. Please. Uh Edge at the Royal Rumble. Uh 20 was it 2020 or 2019? The last one before um the Thunderdome. It was it was 2020. Um rumors spreading uh when you saw him spear um Elias, I believe at the SummerSlam beforehand that was in Toronto. Mm. Yep. Uh you kind of had that seed planted of like, what if, like he hit that, he's fine. Yeah, that was his first hit- bit of uh, 
Sorry to cut you off. That was his first yeah. bit of physicality on WWE programming since he retired. Um, so yeah, there were hints. There were and like there were there was a little bit of talk on social media, but nothing like he's he is cleared. He is back. And the fact that they actually had him come out later. Uh, once you kind of like, if he came out one or two, the rest of the Royal Rumble, I think, would have been, um, absolutely thrown under the bus to the return of Edge. He came out around twenty twenty one, if I remember correctly, like in the twenties, and um, yeah, as an old man, as as you know, in my forties, I cried. I was so happy to see him back after seven years, I believe it was. Um, mm, yeah. Ooh, she's nine. Would have been nine. Um, yeah. Just seeing him return and the look on his face that he didn't think he would be back and everything like that um, mm. was was absolutely amazing. So there, uh, case in point, the, the idea that um, he uh, there was no buildup. There was no promo. There was no, hey, guys, tune into the Royal Rumble because Edge is coming back. That wasn't there. And that surprise was just, it's one of my favorite moments. Like, I, I talked about the, um, the Seth Rollins um, cash-in and then mm -hmm. comparing it to NWO. Those are my three, top three favorite uh, moments in professional wrestling. So... Putting some thought into it, um, we obviously mentioned, uh, well, he's not he who shall not be named anymore, but uh, old Pepsi Phil, I mean, not quite a return, but a return to wrestling. The Rampage debut from, you know, two years ago was certainly up there. Um, WWE-wise, you could name the Bret Hart return in 2010, but it did lead to one of the worst WrestleMania matches of all time. <laughs> So where the Hart family how... turned on Brett and then turned on Vince at WrestleMania. <laughs> oh my god. You want yes. to talk about doing anything for money. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, I, I I we've both made it clear. Gigantic fans of Brett. But uh holy hell, that was the maybe the most carny storyline in recent memory. <laughs> um Another one that was completely uh, like maybe the, the pinnacle of dropping the ball for a wrestling return, because you said most impactful. I still say this is impactful. Brock Lesnar coming back in 2012 and attacking John Cena. Brock Lesnar's return <laughs> consisted of him losing his very first pay-per-view match back to John Cena. Uh, losing to Triple H, lost to Triple H, uh, basically for about a year and a half, if not close to two years, they did everything they could to beat Brock Lesnar as much as possible. Almost you could read in a way to be like, hey, fuck you for leaving, and in case you do decide to leave, well, joke's on you because we've already beaten you. Good luck having that value anywhere else. Um, which led to them having to, you know, have him be the one to end the streak. Right. Because how else are you going to get his momentum back under control? Uh, you need something major like that, which means, you know, you could have just had Brock Lesnar do everything he was going to do anyway without breaking the streak. And then 
you could have done what you were going to do the whole time anyway and have Roman Reigns beat The Undertaker WrestleMania to actually be the one to end the streak, and it would have been grand. So there's the Brock Lesnar one. I'm, I hate to say it. <laughs> most of the ones I can freaking think of are like, and I, I got to be honest, I'm in a rather like negative WWE mood today. Yeah. Um, which is most days, in fairness to me. Um, I saw on Twitter less than a month after they had that draft, right? They just had a draft where they separated the <laughs> rosters again. Less than a month, and they're already on SmackDown advertising. Raw superstar Cody Rhodes is going to be on the show. And I'm like, what is the fucking point? Really, seriously. But anyway, that's an entirely different rant. That company's not for me. If it's for you, cool. I'm happy for you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly throw in the um I'm a big fan of the Landstorm super kick as I as we I know. refer to as <laughs> you know the kick that kicked off the invasion because mm -hmm. I I don't know if you can call that a return because it wasn't like he wasn't... was off for an injury it wasn't like he was off for any kind of storyline other than they purchased WCW and I mean it was only a couple weeks but yeah that's more of a debut than yeah a, than a return I actually saw. Um, it's funny because anytime Lance Storm did a run in, he was always in his gear mm -hmm. and it became kind of a meme with him that, you know, nobody would recognize him if he didn't have the, the red and white pants. You just talked about that on Twitter. I think. Yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> so, why I bring it up too, yeah. is like, you know, but the fact that it was the Saddle Dome, it was raw, like the guys from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, like mm. I, I, it was just absolutely perfect. But I... I want to bring it up only because I'm an absolute Lance Storm stan. Um, mm -hmm. But on the same token, I can also understand why it wouldn't fit here. Um, trying to think of so, any others. Well, okay. So again, in, in line with the, hey, it was impactful. And then what happened? Uh, Shane McMahon coming back in 2016, <laughs> where it's like, holy shit, he's back. And I think it was in Detroit. And he gets one of the best pops of all time. And it turns into... There's a lockbox, and also you're going to trade shit punches with The Undertaker inside Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania for half an hour. It's just And then the next night on Raw, you're going to get control anyway of the show because we're doing a brand split again that they also didn't fucking care about because they haven't treated a brand split seriously since the initial brand split in the early 2000s. We have fun um, here. <laughs> we do. Uh, how do you feel about this one? Goldberg. Survivor like, Series Brock Lesnar, like 30 seconds, 90 seconds, I think it was. Oh, no, the, the return of... Well, I mean, that was... Okay, so you're talking about the build-up, not necessarily the match. I mean, the, the match was... Kind, well, yeah, I mean, I guess... Because he returned, which was cool to true. see, but to go... I mean, I've never been a fan of a returning superstar going after the belt right away. It kind of mm. it kind of spits on the idea of was um, that for the belt initially? Oh yeah, yeah yeah, wasn't it? Uh, no no no, you're right because uh, it was the squash, and then he went and beat Kevin Owens because they thought that the belt was needed at WrestleMania. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, they took the belt off of Kevin Owens so he and Chris Jericho had a match for the U.S. title instead, which was a oh. hell of a lot better match than the Goldberg. Brock Lesnar match at the WrestleMania. No, that that was that was the one good, or I can't say the one good. That was that was good though. That was like three minutes of them just 
doing the Goldberg match that he always did since he came back, right. which is just finisher, 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 end of match, um, which was great. Kind well, of. I've, I've never understood the, oh, this match needs the belt. You have Goldberg and Brock Lesnar coming off a Brock Lesnar squash at WrestleMania. That match does not need the title. The Rock versus Cena 2, which you've built up for a year, which you absolutely squashed Phil so that The Rock had the belt so that Cena would have the belt at WrestleMania, did not need the belt. You have built this matchup for a year. The Rock goes away for a year, shows back up at Royal Rumble, and beats Phil for the title, holds it for the two, three months. It Mm -hmm. was just... So clearly we should have set the ground rules of is a return just the individual moment or is it as the story plays out? Yeah, I think I think my intent, I think my intent was the moment uh, as opposed to I mean, you uh, AJ brings up uh, Bret Hart and you brought up Bret Hart. I think Bret Hart coming back was huge and they. I, I don't remember if WWE promoted it, but I remember Twitter was was hot with it and they started it off and having Shawn Michaels come out and having them bury the hatchet in the ring mm. um was very impactful as far as like how many times do you hear about the the Montreal screw job now that that moment has happened versus before still too much fair is the correct answer <laughs> fair but on on the same token like it is barely referenced anymore whereas you couldn't go even a month, it felt like, without somebody mentioning the Montreal screw job beforehand. And I, I know I'm kind of overselling that a little bit, but on the same, like, I just, it, it was talked about a lot pre. Yeah. And not as much. I don't hear it being mentioned anymore, only because it kind of seems like there's, there's not that animosity between the two anymore. Um, in an effort to, yeah. uh, to lower your <laughs> blood say- pressure. Brett saves all of his animosity for Goldberg. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> uh, hero. Goddamn hero. So I thought I, I kind of figured let's, you know, just again, like I said, to, to save your blood pressure and to, to get happy Toogie back. Um, uh, I thought we'd play a little bit of a game to, to call okay. it anything else. Uh, Forbidden Door is coming up. Uh, AEW uh, and New Japan. So I am slightly well-versed with AEW, and you are obviously the, the overseas expert on this podcast because I, other than Will Ospreay and... Um, uh, yep. Yeah, Will Ospreay. White man. White man. <laughs> um, I, I kind of figured, let's, let's run down, let's maybe create five matches. And what the okay. best... Who you think the best matchup... Uh, you know what? We could even run down some of the title holders and some of the, the bigger names. Uh, and I want to yeah. start off with, with FTR. Uh, FTR, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest tag team uh, in wrestling right now. Um, yeah. Who would you match up uh, heading into Forbidden Door uh, with? And, and feel free. I'm saying FTR. If you think that you match, you know, do a trios, do a four-way, you can add to my side to get your side if that makes sense okay so first and foremost i will say because this is the first show after uh double or nothing which was an okay pay-per-view final mm-hmm. two matches really saved the card and then immediately after that it's like okay forbidden door what's it gonna be and last year 
Forbidden Door was just brutalized by injuries, CM Punk included. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's kind of led a lot of people to just being like, I don't even want to talk about any possibilities until this show happens because we're all afraid. That was the event that Adam Cole uh, suffered that concussion at last year that he just came back from a few months ago. Um, if not a month ago, I don't know. Probably <laughs> it was probably about two months ago, but Jesus, time is ridiculous. Well, he's only had like um, maybe two or three matches, if that, since. So yeah. So to that point, FTR were apparently penciled in to take on Aussie Open, which would have been amazing because they already had an amazing match last year, and I think it would have been you know this time out on a bigger scale, it would have been fantastic. They have clearly pivoted from the looks of it. I don't know. We'll kind of see what happens. A couple different ways they could go, but it feels like they have since made the pivot to put FTR with Ricky Starks against Jay White, Juice Robinson, and probably somebody else from New Japan, which I don't know who that would be um, because you can't exactly do a the AEW version of Bullet Club. Right. And the New Japan version of Bullet Club, because the entire storyline for Jay White in New Japan was he got kicked the fuck out of Bullet Club. <laughs> like yes. That was the entire yeah. story. Um, unless you were to do, here's a former um, member of Bullet Club within New Japan that is going to team with Jay White. You would probably want it to be a heel, but whoever that is, is going to get a face reaction. But then again, who the hell isn't going to get a face reaction on that card? Right. So I think you would still do FTR and Ricky Starks probably against Jay White, Juice Robinson, and El Fantasmo is my current guess. Um, but we shall see. But it's it's a tough spot because otherwise, yeah, without um, Aussie Open on the you know on the card at least fully available with Mark Davis getting injured. It kind of leaves them in a spot of like, oh, who else could who else could it be? And there's the only other option I can think of, because I think they're still on the New Japan strong roster is Alex Shelley and Chris Saban, who are, of course, with impact Mm. as well. You give me Motor City Machine Guns against Mm. FTR. I'm buying the pay-per-view for that card alone. That's just me. Yes, please. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, I referenced him earlier. What, who's the big hoss that's going to take on Eddie Kingston? <laughs> I don't know if they would they. No, number one, I think Eddie Kingston's going to be healthy for the show. Well, hasn't he wrestled know. since for for Ring of Honor? Like he hasn't been he on had, AEW for a little bit. Yeah, so I think uh, the word was he just underwent hernia surgery. Ah, but I know he was okay. scheduled to be on a new japan card coming up representing strong so yeah he hasn't had a match since the end of march at uh supercard of honor roh's last pay-per-view um colonial so, with the two thank you very much for the raid the colonial there um i don't know if he has as much interest in facing like the typical hoss there are there there are a couple of options i mean like Eddie Kingston and and Jeff Cobb, but that doesn't so much feel like the combination of two rosters. That feels like that could just happen anyway. Yeah, I because I, um, Cobb's been on AEW before with a program, not not like full time, doesn't show up mm-hmm. all the time, 
but yeah. he was part of like the the MJF Chris Jericho. Yeah. Deal, yeah, right? Chris Jericho had a had a match with him. MJF brought him in as like the the heavy, the yeah. temporary heavy yep. kind of thing, which I mean they've done that with MJF plenty of times. So for me, it would either be because Eddie Kingston loves, you know, the older the older guard. You know, we had the match with um Junakiyama, which was great, and then teamed with them on a, a pay-per-view pre-show. Uh, so it gets me looking at that roster. And in terms of the older guard, they might not necessarily have the all Japan connection, but you would look at like a Minoru Suzuki would be really fun or the current all Japan triple crown heavyweight champion, who is also a new Japan contracted wrestler is Yuji Nagata, which I think would be very, very fun. Yuji Nagata of WCW NWO revenge fame for the N64. <laughs> I love it. That's the, uh, that's the greatest. That's man of anything he's done in his career. He was on the NWO Revenge roster. Perfect. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Now, right next to Hanzo Man. Hanzo Man. Who wasn't real. <laughs> what? Um, I know. Would you break up uh, Blackpool on this card? No, way too early. They're crushing it. No, no, no. I don't mean like break up the team. I mean. Oh. I mean. Uh, like Danielson, uh, Brian Danielson, for some reason, he, I think when you talk about injuries, he also was injured heading into, uh, Forbidden Door last year as well, if I remember correctly. Dude, everybody on the right. roster was hurt last year. It was crazy. So you could, you could almost pair up Danielson with almost anybody on that roster and have a fantastic match. <laughs> so that's why I yeah. asked, like, would you, would you do a four on four or would you... And you don't necessarily have to. You could always do like a Wheeler and Cesaro. Uh, you could do Mox as an individual. You could do Danielson. What would you do with the Blackpool? Oh, that's a good question because so obviously like the, the biggest match people have been asking for for Brian Danielson from a New Japan standpoint is Zack Sabre Jr. But if you are going to London, you have Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega, Zack Sabre Jr., Brian Danielson. Please, please, yes. God, give us that. So you could almost hold off here. In terms of who else Brian Danielson could wrestle, there could be. He had the match. What was it on Rampage or something like that? Or Dark with Minoru Suzuki. You could do a rematch of that. Um, you could put him up against Kenta, although Kenta can't quite go like he used to. Um, yeah, but if anybody can carry Kenta right now, it's it's Danielson. Brian Danielson and Hiroshi Tanahashi sounds very fun to me. <laughs> like I, two of the best of all time. When else are they going to get a chance to have a singles match? Danielson would obviously get to play the heel, which is current alignment in, in AEW anyway. You know, seriously, to that point, you could put Brian Danielson against anybody. Yeah. Um, you really, really could. Uh, and, you know, if you still wanted Blackpool Combat Club, you could do, um, you know, Claudio, Yuta. Um, obviously, now you have um, Takeshita as a part of that group, at least potentially. They kind of haven't fully done no, that I, move. I, so I don't think he's part of Blackpool because just the side tangent. Um, yeah. I'd be happy Callis. if he's not. Don Callis has, has, hasn't really joined. Like, he's not the new right. William Regal. 
So I think right. uh, Takeshita and Don Callis are going to be their own thing, and Blackpool is going to continue as Blackpool. Uh, one right. of the one so. of the big images at the end of Double or Nothing was Blackpool all four putting their hands up because they won the match, and Don yeah. Callis and uh, uh, I always want to say Take Shitta, and because I'm uncultured. That's MJF's fault. Yeah, That's MJF's fault. Um, Takeshita were still kind of doing their own thing around um, uh, around the elite, basically. Um, so yeah. I I don't think that they're that the storyline will continue them with, with Blackpool. You could do Moxley, Claudio, Yuta against like LIJ, you know, Naito, Shingo, Bushi, because again, you think of the face heel dynamic. It's, it is a fantasy booker's delight. Yep. Just the concept of forbidden door. It really, really is. And it's going to be almost impossible. I'd say for them to disappoint. Because again, if there's not a Danielson Zack Saber Jr., you can still that you know you can still think you can still say, oh well, all in. It'll probably be on that card. If we don't see a match like that by all in, then yeah, you're starting to be like, hmm, hmm okay, are we going to get that at all? But just so many beautiful, beautiful options. Another another quick side tangent that still kind of fits to Blackpool and and um, Forbidden Door. There's mm-hmm. a real push to get Wheeler into the right situations. He got the pin at double or nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe on Dynamite, uh, he was booked as they had. Did they have a match? Yeah, yeah, they and had he got a, the pin um, there as well. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, him, Moxley, and Claudio against uh, Bandito, Commander, and oh no, it was uh, Bandito and the Lucha Brothers. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's that's too like they are 100% putting emphasis on him again, which is awesome. I mean, we're now over a year removed from the match he had with Moxley where he fucking bled buckets and I was there for that and it was delightful. <laughs> um do you could you see him having a singles match? Uh and as much as we're talking about um Forbidden Door here, or do you still have to handcuff him with a Moxley, with a Claudio, with a group until he kind of becomes that singles wrestler again? Because, I mean, they put the the uh, the pure title on him, which was I thought was a great run for him. But yeah. ever since, he hasn't really stuck out as a singles wrestler. He needs one of those other guys. Would you Could you see him in a singles run uh, heading into yes. Forbidden Door? You could put him in a singles run. He's better served in the tag run. Um, again, like obviously he is someone that they have plans for, but putting him next to established stars like Claudio and Moxley is still the best thing for him easily. So fair. Um, in terms of who he'd have that singles match against, no idea. Um, it's, it's Wheeler Yuta. He's very, very good. Um, but yeah, I think he'd be better served, especially with the both rosters are built heavily upon factions still. So it works out perfectly. It's not out of the ordinary uh, as opposed to, well, well, we'll throw WWE out there. If WWE were to have this style of card, they would have to put together a lot of different combinations that aren't really that associated with one another just to make up these six-man, eight-man tags. Yeah. Whereas AEW New Japan, it's just like, okay, it's already there's already cohesion there in terms of how they set up the rosters. Absolutely fair. 
Uh, I'm going to go a little bit more rapid fire with the next ones, which is kind of unfair to the stature of where these guys are at, but uh, uh, the elite. Now, and I'll, I'll preface, preface here, this could be a great introduction. We talked about returns or debuts or whatever. Uh, Ibushi joining AEW would be huge on this card because he can't, he's a free agent right now. If, I, if I'm... Mm-hmm flexing my overseas muscle right now um coming great. from new japan um and there's rumors it's either going to be wwe or AEW. he's going to aew he's not going to wwe they teased the hell out of it on uh on wednesday uh, basically there was a backstage promo segment of oh kenny omega's not here he's in canada at home and they had hangman be the actually, actually he's in japan and it's like well why would he be in japan and it's like gonna be Kota it's gonna be Kota Ibushi. I yeah. mean the only other alternative would be like come help me Okada which they have done before but it's not as natural of a fit but uh, that would be interesting because I don't know if this would necessarily be the right time for that move like this particular card and at the same time um Kota Ibushi had a very weird I think is the best term for it a very weird departure from New Japan within the last year that um I don't know. Who knows how the feelings are between those two companies, you know? Gotcha. Um, would you do anything with the women's division on this? Uh, obviously, you should. I don't think you do anything yeah. with the with Stadlander because the the um, the natural the rematch has to happen, and I don't think you put anybody on a major pay per view in that place. So I don't mm. think anything there, but I could see something happening with the uh, the heavyweight champion, which now is Tony Storm. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's a good amount they could do, whether it would be, you know, Tony Storm, um, the whole outcast stable could easily have a spot. And obviously they have, uh, you know, Mercedes Monet being hurt, as unfortunate as that is, did result in Willow Nightingale winning a title she wasn't supposed to win. Um, but they could easily have a couple of acts from stardom come in and team with her for this event. So I'm sure there will be uh, some solid representation. Of course, one of the stardom options, she is under contract in New Japan as well, is uh, the former Kairi Sane, which I can't imagine she wouldn't be on this card, given how recognizable she is to a North American audience from her time in WWE. Could you see so. them correcting the Willow Nightingale title reign on this, or do you think they're going to run with it? They should run with it. They really should. Especially now now that the word's out, like, oh, she wasn't supposed to win. <clears throat> they changed it on the fly in the ring. Yeah. Um, which, if that's true, I mean, it was the right thing to do. But yeah, now that the cat's out of the bag on that one, just, yeah, give her, give her a run with the title, at least for a little bit. I mean, we could go into Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, Darby Allin. Uh, seeing anybody in the ring from New Japan with Sting, old guard, new guard would mm -hmm. be huge. Uh, but let's let's put a cap on this one with MJF. Now you brought up Okada, which, if I remember correctly, again speaking of injuries and Forbidden Door, uh, there was uh, he was champion at the time of last year's event, and something. I think Jay White. I think it was Jay White that was champion in that match because he got the win. Didn't Okada come out though and like Okada, So yeah, the match or was last that supposed year, to be the, the CM Punk. I'm not sure. Um, because I yeah, okay. 
So somebody came out on AEW, and I, I could have sworn it was Okada. But then that match yeah, basically that just re- dissolved. Yes. There, again, there were a lot of things that kind of broke apart last year. Um, just to go for the MJF question. Uh, I mentioned Tanahashi earlier. He's he's perfect. Um, you likely wouldn't want to do MJF and Okada because who the hell loses? Yeah. Right? Yeah, fair. You don't want to do MJF and Sonata, their current heavyweight champion, because who the hell loses? But Tanahashi can lose to MJF. And Tanahashi, you know, MJF, every time New Japan's brought up in character, always just absolutely shits on it. The personification of that company is still Hiroshi Tanahashi. Perfect. Tanahashi can lose that match. No problem. Um, I can't imagine what direction they're going in if that's not the direction. I'd be very shocked if they came up with something else. Gotcha. Awesome. I didn't know half of those names you said, but I knew the other half. So that's that's improvement, right? You're you're learning. Uh, it's it's a good time. Tugi, I think at there. this point it is time for history, sir. On this day. We won't see clearly because there's not too much to see. I gotta be honest. For the history of June 1st, again, shout out to TJRWrestling.net, a lovely resource for stuff like this. Um, there was a random ECW event in 96, but it's it's not one that was super high profile. Wasn't everything um, in 96 kind of random for ECW? Still? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, yeah, they basically had like a one night. Turn. Okay, Jesus, what the fuck? Okay, hold on. <laughs> so ECW fight the power fight in 1996. Power. <laughs> so here is the card. Okay. It's a 13 match card. Um, and I'm just going to rapid fire through this. It was Devin Storm and El Porto Requeño. I do not know who that is. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Rob Van Dam beat Mikey Whipwreck. That was probably fine. Didn't everybody um, beat Mikey Rip- Whipwreck? Yes, they did. And beat yes, him? Like, did. beat him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the FBI, JT Smith and Lil Guido, eventually the future Nunzio, uh, defeated the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon, by disqualification. Whatever. I was going to say the Dudley boys rarely lost in ECW. Yes. Uh, Taz beat somebody via submission in a shoot fight. That person does not have a Wikipedia page. So I'm <laughs> guessing that was a squash match. Uh, the Pipples beat Tommy. Oh, the Pipples and Tommy Dreamer beat Brian Lee, uh, also known as Fake Undertaker, Undertaker from yes. 1994. Yes. And uh, the Bruise Brothers, a.k.a. the Nazis, Ron and Don Harris. Um, <laughs> fuck them both. Then, this is where this card goes off the fucking rails. This you, is beautiful. It, it's so on again, the rails at this point? Oh, it's not. <laughs> so, match number five, yep. mind you, was the Pipples, one and two. Mm-hmm. Um... Pitbull 1, Gary Wolf, Pitbull 2, Anthony Durante. I think they're, yeah, Pitbull 2 was the one that passed away. Anyway, uh, so Pitbull 2 immediately after this then wrestles Raven for 10 and a half minutes for the world title. (laughs) Raven wins. You then get a two-minute match as the Sandman beats Steven Richards. 
you give and then you give Pitbull one or Pitbull two. Pitbull two versus Raven ten minutes, yeah. and you give Stevie Richards and Sandman two minutes. Keep going. Wow. Correct. Wow. And then match number eight. Shane Douglas retains the ECW World Television title over El Puerto Rico or El, El Puerto Riqueño, who was in the first match. He then, match number nine, Shane Douglas defends the title again against Don E. Allen. Match number 10, Shane Douglas, for the third <laughs> match in a row, wins. Defeating Devin Storm, who, who won was in earlier the in the night oh over El Porto Riqueño. <laughs> match number 11, Shane, Shane Douglas, Douglas defeats <laughs> Mikey Whipwreck. <laughs> match number 12, Pitbull number two defeats Shane Douglas. No! 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 <laughs> he wrestled five times in a row. And wasn't that Pitbull 2's third match of the night? Yeah, he, he he didn't beat Raven for the title a little bit earlier on, but damn it, he beat Shane Douglas. What? Okay. What was what, this? Was ECW Fight the Power? Fight the Power in '96. You have asked. Oh, and, oh we're not done. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Continue. And the main event. There was one more match, by the way. The Eliminators: John Cronus and Perry Saturn. Retain the tag titles over the gangsters, Mustafa and New Jack. Wow. What? <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Was, Ooh. tell me, because again, ECW pre-TNT or TNN or TNN um, mm. is a fever dream to me. Didn't have a lot of access to it. Based on fucking Shane Douglas having five matches in a row, and then you have that as your main event. You have Raven, your your heavyweight champion, mid-card. Was that yep. the right move to have that match as the main event without memeing? Because know. memeing, I'm, I'm writing down uh, Fight the Power. You've asked me uh, previously in this segment, would I watch that pay-per-view? Fuck yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching this pay-per-view. <laughs> I don't know if it's available anywhere. Oh, I don't know if it. it's on Peacock. Um, I, God, will, if... I will sail the high seas, good sir. As you should. ECW Fight the Power 96. Absolutely incredible. We then jump ahead from 1996 to 2008... WWE presents one night stand from the San Diego Sports Arena. And I'm going to run through the card crash. And again, yeah. you let me know if you would watch this show. I had this show on DVD and watched it quite a few times. I am going so to I eliminate the concept of ECW fight the power from my brain because <laughs> it's, a, it's tough to compare it to oh, anything 100%. else. percent. I promise. 100%. All right, so this show kicks off. Falls Count Anywhere match, Jeff Hardy and Umaga. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's It was a good one. Um, this was the infamous one where Jeff Hardy hits Umaga outside of the arena off a truck. He hits the swanton, but they had the camera so that there was a truck box. 
So it was hiding the crash mat, which thank fuck they used the crash yes. mat for Jeff Hardy. Jesus God. Trust me, I'm not advocating for like, no, we gotta see Jeff Hardy actually try a swanton. No, but to Jeff the Hardy would lot. advocate for no, I don't want a crash mat. I want to be as stupid yeah. as possible. No shit. Um God, so that wasn't that was the opener. You had a Singapore cane match to decide the number one contender for the ECW championship at next month's <laughs> night of champions. Tommy dreamer, John Morrison, CM punk, Chavo Guerrero, and the big show. There are three names there that don't belong. Um, I would make hmm. the argument for CM punk at that time being very ECW and obviously Tommy dreamer legendary for his, um, extreme career mm. um so because of that i get i get what ecw was during that era but because of that i don't know that i'd be all that excited about that match true or false every single member of that match held the ecw title at least one point or another uh i want to say i want to say true but i'm questioning chavo i'm gonna need a final answer Okay, I'm going to say false, because I don't think Chavo Guerrero was ECW champion. Chavo Guerrero very much was ECW champion, including oh. defending the title against Kane at WrestleMania 24, in which he lost in about seven seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Match number three. First blood. John Shane Cena Douglas. and Shane <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. There's no Shane Douglas on this card. John Cena, JBL was always a fun time. It was always it was. a fun time. I mean, yeah, I mean that that couldn't compare to the 2005 feud, especially too. They had that uh, I Quit match at Judgment Day, and that is the one where John Cena fucking bled buckets. Um, and they reprised the feud in 2008, and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't too long after this. This was in June. They had Night of Champions. Jesus Christ. So this pay-per-view obviously was June 1st, 08. June 29th, they had Night of Champions, so at the end of the month. And then July 20th, they had The Bash, which was the, I believe, their first. It was the final pay-per-view before they switched to PG the following week. Hmm. Uh, and John Cena and JBL had a match on that card as well. So Imagine, like, I remember Justin Hawk Bradshaw. And I'm so what, sorry. Uh, trust me. And then Blackjack, Blackjack Bradshaw. Mm -hmm. uh, like, there's a guy uh, who almost had like a Glenn Jacobs career without coming. Uh, I want to say he's. We've heard news about being a racist or or something to that effect with JBL. But either way, like that aside, they tried everything to get this guy over. And it actually took, like, almost a persona that, you know, they always talk about turning your persona up to 11. And to mm. take a stock market genius, who he is, um, turn him into, you know, turn the wrestler into the next Ted DiBiase, basically, and let him run. And actually turned out to have an absolutely amazing career versus just a guy in red tights who carried around a bell on a rope. Like... 
that was the shtick of Justin Hawk Bradshaw. He was just a, a backwoods. Anyways, continue. Match number four. I quit Beth Phoenix versus Molina. Eh. You had me at Beth Phoenix. You, you lost me at Molina. There. Stretcher match. Shawn Michaels and Batista. Yeah. I was hoping this was Brock Lesnar and Rey Mysterio so we could watch Brock Lesnar hit a home run so, on the post. Yeah, that was that was Rey. Backlash 03. <laughs> um which I that's not the first time I've mentioned that show on this on this uh, podcast, but yeah, no, that was Backlash 03. And yeah, he uh Rey Mysterio is a fucking trooper for taking that. Jesus. Yeah. No, but Shawn Michaels at that time could still go. This was still Batista's peak. I'm in. WWE Championship last man standing match, Randy Orton and Triple H. Always a good time. This one wasn't. No? Because <laughs> No, so this was the match where Orton went for an RKO on the floor. Or was it in the ring? Was it the in the I think it was the in the ring one. Where he go he's next to the ropes and he goes for the RKO and Triple H shoves him out to the floor. And he lands on the floor and fucking breaks his collarbone. And Triple H wasn't fired the next week like Kennedy? Like Kennedy. Yeah, shockingly <laughs> not. Um, so, yeah, the match ended in like 13 minutes or so. But, yeah, this was a match where Orton fucking destroyed his goddamn collarbone. You know what the difference um, was? Orton didn't get injured with Kennedy. So he was unsafe mm. with Kennedy or with Orton. So he got fired. But if you actually injured Orton... Anyways, I digress. Yeah. And that led to um God, so or that Orton injury really quickly. It's it's just it's kind of crazy. So he gets hurt. Um and then <laughs> he doesn't come back until September because he got re-injured in a motorcycle accident during his time off. He is recovering yep. from a collarbone injury and gets hurt in a motorcycle accident, but then comes back in September. To kick off the legacy storyline. Which led to the most disappointing WrestleMania match of all time. Him and Triple H at WrestleMania 25. Where this blood feud featured numerous, numerous headlocks. I don't, I don't believe you when you say that's the most disappointing WrestleMania match of all time. It's, it's tough it to be beat, up there, man. But it's tough to beat. Fair. The main event of this show, tables, ladders, and chairs... For the vacated World Heavyweight Championship. You know, the one that doesn't look like shit that they just reintroduced. That's right. That title looks like trash. Edge and Undertaker, TLC. How do you not want to see more of that? Mm -hmm. Other right. than, like, if they did it now. <laughs> the ending of the match <laughs> the ending of the match is Edge pushing Taker off the ladder and through the tables at ringside yeah I would not like to see that I don't think Mark would get up no 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 so yeah so overall Crash your thoughts you said you want to check out ECW would you check out One Night Stand 2008 so Yes, but no, because like when when you said one night stand, I think of the the ballroom in Philadelphia. But I guess mm. that was kind of one night only instead of one night stand. But one night only was overseas. 
Uh, Edge may have had like the Edge heads with him. No, he had. That, yeah. He had. This was around the time it was La Familia, with uh, the Edge heads were there. Vicky Guerrero, Bam Neely. <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> that was the character. Yeah. Um, um. So yeah. Final thoughts. Yeah, I mean that. The fact that it wasn't for some reason. The fact that it wasn't Philadelphia. The fact that it wasn't ECW. Uh, regardless, like I said, take the take just the stupid fight the power out of the equation. Um, mm. Like the one night only is the one night stand for for whatever reason that that always resonates with me with like the the crossover WWE ECW stuff. So it right. kind of already had that cloud, but I mean when you've got like the the one match on there that I'd absolutely want to watch is Jeff Hardy and Umaga in that period. Yeah, that. To me, that would probably be one of, if not the match of the night. Um, just just the, the two different styles. But anytime, like, I don't think either one of them really had a bad match sober. <laughs> uh, one or two other quick notes and then our last little talking point. Uh, 2010. Wade Barrett was crowned the first winner of the first season of NXT. David Otunga runner-up, Justin Gabriel finishing third. Obviously, this directly led to the Nexus storyline and John Cena beating them nearly damn damn near single-handedly at SummerSlam just a few months later. Um, there you go. Another great example of WWE booking dropping the fucking ball. I still don't like to think about the Nexus storyline. It still makes me sad. The... Like we talked about, like the, um, I mean that you could you could almost call this or well that that was more a debut and we kind of referenced it last, uh, podcast, um, one of the greatest storylines that they could have absolutely ran with and made each and every one of those guys stars, and mm. absolutely dropped and the one guy that they fired because of what he did during that raw segment, was probably he was the most successful to come out of Nexus in Daniel Bryan, Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Mm. And then aside from, from birthdays, which uh, shout out to velvet sky and, and James storm, my, my TNA, my TNA fan fandom is still strong and well, strong. And well, it's not actually, it died in about 2011, but good memories, good memories. So the final talking point, is one more event crash. Mm -hmm. 2014 WWE payback. <laughs> now, I don't know if this will. So clearly ECW is ahead of one night stand. I don't know if this will top either of them, but here is the card from this show. Um, the pre-show match, by the way, was mask versus hair. El Torito against Hornswoggle. Oh, <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> That's an immediate seller. Yep. The opener. Sheamus and Cesaro with Paul Heyman for the United States title. Sheamus and Sheamus versus Paul Heyman? Sheamus Sorry, versus Cesaro. Versus with Okay, Paul okay. That's a banger. That's an absolute yeah. banger. That it is. Second match. Rybaxel. <laughs> Curtis Axel and Ryback <laughs> against Cody Rhodes and Goldust. Who I I kind of want to watch that one. 
three minutes and 40 seconds of Rusev against Big E. That one deserved more time. Yeah. We didn't get the big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> 32 seconds of Kofi Kingston and Bo Dallas. 32 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it passed, but that one deserves more time, too. Uh, apparently, it ended in a no contest because Kane came down to the ring and chokeslammed and tombstoned Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston deserved better in his WWE career. I get that he got yeah. Kofi Mania. I get that he's been in one of the greatest tag teams professional wrestling has ever seen. Um, he deserved more. In the most 2014 match I've ever seen, Wade Barrett, a.k.a. Bad News Barrett, defends the Intercontinental title against Rob Van Dam. That actually should be good. Should be. <laughs> should be. Was it? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Last man standing match, John Cena and Bray Wyatt. Yeah, that that also should be good, but depending on whether they really tried to get spoopy Bray Wyatt and AJ. No, John Cena, John Cena just fucking beat him. They gotcha. did the spoopy stuff with the cage match before when the kid did the singing gotcha. with the voice box. Um, Divas title match, Paige defending against Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox. <laughs> lesser. And the main event, no holds barred elimination match. The Shield defeats Evolution three to zero. The debut of Blue Tista. <laughs> you got to watch the show just for that alone, man. Yeah. You know, like looking back at the career of The Shield, uh, they really did them service by putting them up against Triple H and Evolution to, not necessarily to start, um, mm. but putting them with the names that they did, coming from NXT, they really should have started them at the bottom, an Intercontinental title or whatever, but they really put them into strong programs to start, and luckily the three of them just killed it, and obviously mm. you've had the amazing careers. Um, and AJ says uh, Raw the next day was Plan B. Yeah, the Seth Rollins turn leading to... Uh, yeah, the next pay-per-view was Money in the Bank. I was there for that one, too. John Cena would be world champion by the end of that show. <laughs> Fun times. LOL, Cena wins. We miss it. With <sighs> that, with that I think we're good. With yeah. that, the question we always ask at this time... Where can people find you? Wherever they want to find me. That's right. You put in the work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to self-promote. Fair. Get out of here. Uh, you already found me. You know what? If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast uh, utensil, um, <laughs> Crash Andrews, except for one social media, and if this is your first time listening to the show, you guess which one has got an underscore. Fuck you, Elon. Uh, we always end the show with uh, an absolute legend. Uh, it's funny because at this point, I keep reading quotes 
from Bobby hmm. the Brain Heenan. And now I'm questioning whether or not we've used them or not, but I know we haven't used this one. And it's, it's kind of starting a theme or continuing a theme from last week. So, uh, again, uh, thanks for tuning in to the podcast. We are uh, live on Twitch on Thursdays for the most part on my channel. Tugi is gracious enough to join us, which we appreciate because your time is very valuable. Um, Thank you. And also on uh, any, as I called it earlier, podcast utensil uh, to listen to and uh, on the YouTubes under uh, Second Turnbuckle Podcast. We leave you with the legend Bobby the Brain Heenan, a quote from him. Parts unknown, it usually means downtown Newark. Screw you, Newark. Suck it. I'm pretty sure you have used that one before. Yeah, well. It bears repeating. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think I got overly excited about telling Newark to suck it. You can never be excited enough. Fair. Uh, How much time do you need? Uh, Like two minutes, if that. Okay. I will entertain AJ. My chat, I don't know if anybody else was... Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm leaving that in on the YouTube. (laughs) One of the most amazing Irish goodbyes ever dropped.